invite you to take your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. We'll be reading together verses 1 through 6. In chapter 1, 2, and 3, Paul talks repeatedly about being in Christ. He concludes chapter 3 with stating that there is a power that is at work within us that is immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. And in light of that power, in chapters 4, 5, and 6, he is calling us to act. Ephesians 4 and verse 1. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. The Apostle Paul is calling us to relationships which transform. And this can be a reality, since in chapters 1, 2, three, one, two and 3, Paul calls us into relationship with him. God calls us not only into relationship with him, but also with Jesus Christ. We live out the vertical relationship with God, with Christ, with the Holy Spirit, horizontally, with the body of Christ. And the body of Christ is called not only the body of Christ, the temple of God, God's household, the dwelling of God. And he says we're heirs together, we're members together, we're sharers together, and we're called to contribute in relationships. The world, our own sinful nature, and Satan would seek to lure us to live as Consumers. But God calls us to live as a body where we contribute. We give to others, and if we give to others, that means we receive at times, but the overall focus of life is to be a contributor to the body of Christ. Contributing in relationships involves character. It involves being, in contrast to a consumer being or uh, involving more action. Contributors are focusing primarily on giving. Consumers tend to expect. Contributors think about the body of Christ. Whereas <clears throat> consumers tend to demand. Contributors, there's a commitment to work through relational difficulties of which seem to be part of life. Consumers tend to walk away. You know, if something is not going according to their style. Contributors, what is my responsibility in terms of giving and receiving? Consumers, what's their responsibility and what they should be giving to me? Contributors, only Christ can satisfy. In the body of Christ, we need to recognize that others may give to us, but no one can fully satisfy. Only Christ can. So when we look for others to fully satisfy us and they're giving to us, that won't happen. Consumers tend to blame when things don't go their way. 
Paul is calling us into a relationship with God, into a relationship with Christ, the Holy Spirit, and into relationships with the body of Christ. And in that body of Christ, he desires for us to give. In Ephesians 4, 5, and 6, he talks about community. He talks about fellowship. He talks about body life. That comes first in Ephesians 4, 5, and 6. Then he moves to marriage. Then he talks about parents and children relating to one another. He talks about slaves and masters, or if you please, employers and employees. Then he talks about the spiritual battle. All of those items are vital, but they seem to build one upon another. The way we relate as a body is going to influence marriage, going to influence parenting, going to influence responding as children, how you relate on the job, and so on. Now, when we think about Ephesians 4, walking worthy of our calling, remember Paul's prayer in chapter 3, that we might be encouraged in the inner person. We might grasp the love of God. And then he wraps up chapter 3 with, again, that power that is at work in us beyond what we can ask or comprehend. And if you think about being completely humble, completely gentle, patient, bearing with one another, we do need a power that is beyond what we can ask or comprehend. Because relationships can be trying. They can be sticky. They can be difficult. But in chapter 2, Paul made it very clear that he is called the Jew and the Gentile, the rich, the poor, the haves, the have-nots, the tech-savvy, the non-tech, the old, the young, to peace in the body of Christ. We looked at being humble, gentle, being patient. This morning we want to pick up with bearing with one another in love. Within the body, bearing with one another in love involves being committed to others under all circumstances of life. Being committed to others under all circumstances of life. And I think expressing that commitment, especially when someone may not respond the way you might desire. We'll give some examples in a few moments. Bearing with involves graciously putting up with and being committed to others as they mature in Christ. Graciously putting up with or being committed to others. Maybe putting up with isn't the good term, but you're accepting them, you're caring for them as they mature in Christ. Seeing others in Christ, thus no ungodly thoughts concerning them. That's a pretty tall statement if you think about it. Do you ever have ill thoughts towards someone in your family? Do you ever have ill thoughts towards someone on the job or towards another believer? And he's saying within the body. You know, seeing other believers as in Christ. So when you're struggling in relating to someone and you're not thinking too well about them, mentally step back and think. They've been redeemed. They've been forgiven. They've been reconciled to God. They've been declared righteous. They've been sealed by the Holy Spirit. And that changes how we respond. 
tied in with bearing with one another. Another way of expressing it would be accepting others in their present state or condition. You accept them where they are, but you love them enough to want to see them grow and mature. Demanding no change, improvements before acceptance. But again, you desire maturity. See, bearing with someone is saying, I love you and accept you where you are. You don't have to measure up before I will bear with you. Contributors give to those who hurt them to move them to knowing Christ better. You're bearing with someone. They may have hurt you, but you seek to bear with them. We as consumers walk away to find a so-called easier life. And we do that with relationships. We're tempted to do that with relationships. Well, that was not going very good. I just walk away. Now, I want to make a statement here. You cannot get along with some people they will not be gotten along with. But you're to be seeking to bear with, you know, and we'll come at more when it says, you know, seeking to keep the peace. But consumers walk away. God says, draw near, refusing to dwell on what others are not being or doing. Bearing with one another. Remember, a power is at work within us beyond what we can ask or comprehend. So you see some believer that just doesn't seem to contribute. They seem to be a consumer. Bear with them, but yet love them enough to push them towards being a contributor. Some of you are very, very tech savvy. Your phone is glued to your ear. Others would be more than content with the old rotary. You know, stand there and wait for it to come back. I'm not knocking either. But we are to bear with each other. They're just an old-fashioned fogey. They'll never get into the modern technology. Well, if you're saying that, you're to bear with them. But if you're over here, oh, they just have the most new thing all the time. You ever consider bearing with one another and being committed to one another in that context? How about a 70 or 80 or 90-year-old person bearing with a younger person you know, with all their vim and vigor and hype and the way they are, and you think they'll never learn, but the young person bearing with the older person, saying they're just an old fogey. They don't know what it is to live in the 21st century. Bearing with one another. Caring for one another. How about bearing with that person that struggles with stealing? I didn't say you overlook it, but bearing with them, caring for them. How about bearing with that person that doesn't know how to parent? They're in the process of learning and growing. We bear with them. You know, some people have traits that just rub us the wrong way. Do you know anyone like that? They just do some things that rub you the wrong way? You know, some believer just grates you the wrong way. How about bearing with them?
on the lighter side. You're supposed to get along good with your mother-in-law. I did get along good with my mother-in-law when she was living. She's since going to be with the Lord. But initially, I had to bear with my mother-in-law a fair amount for the simple reason she loved to tell me what to do. And I will give you an example, and some of you know this, that I did not bear with her. I was over <clears throat> seeing Ruth Ann one day, and uh, Martha was in the kitchen telling me what I should do. I walked out of the house, got in my car, and left. And Ruth Ann said, or I'm sorry, Martha said to Ruth Ann, Where'd Dan go? He went home. She knew why I went home. I did not bear with my mother-in-law, but we learned to bear with each other as we matured in our relationship. She continued to talk and not tell me what to do, but make suggestions instead of telling me. But she had to bear with me because I did not always respond very quickly or I teased her to the nth degree. But people rub us differently. That's part of bearing with. And I would pose a question. Is our local church well known for bearing with one another in love? And notice the idea of bearing with one another in love. We care for them. Are the rulers and authorities amazed at our bearing with one another in love? And that comes from chapter 3. God's intent is to take the church and make known to the spirit world his wisdom. That is, the wisdom in the gospel of Christ. Is the larger body of Christ in the back mountain odd due to our being? That should be, is the larger severe of unbelievers awed by the body of Christ, bearing with one another in love? Do we need to repent? Just think about bearing with one another. None of us have arrived. We should be in process of bearing with one another in love. Father, it's our desire to bear with one another in love. We would confess for the larger body of Christ that many times we don't measure up. And in our own lives, at times we don't, but you continue to work in us. We're grateful for that. It's our desire to be moving in the right direction. In Christ's name, amen. Paul goes on. He then says, make every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit. The idea of making every effort is to be diligent, no letting up, no backing off. And he says to keep, to maintain. It's already present, but he says maintain it, keep it. Keeping what? The unity of the Spirit. In chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, Paul says, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance under the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Now think about the unity of the Spirit, ardent seal with the same Holy Spirit that Jim is, that Gary Ann is, 
that Tina is, that Irene is, that Alan is. All believers sealed with the same Holy Spirit. In chapter 2 and verse 18, he says, For through him we both have access, that is the Jew and the Gentile, for sake of illustration, the rich and the poor, the tech-savvy, the not-so-tech-savvy, have access to the Father by one Spirit. Scott has access to the Father by the same Spirit that Kathy has access to the Father, that Lorraine has access to the Father. In chapter 2 and verse 22, And in Him you also are being built together to become a whole dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. So God lives in Betty, in Travila, in Danny, in Lisa, in Neil, the same Holy Spirit. Then in chapter 3 and verse 16, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. God strengthens us in our inner being through the Spirit. But it's the same Spirit because there is a bond of peace. There's a lack of conflict. Paul says in chapter 2, the middle of verse 15, his purpose was to create in himself one new man out of two, thus making peace. The Jew, the Gentile, the sports jock and the non-sports jock, the good-looking and the not-so-good-looking, the tall, the short, when we come to faith in Christ, we become one. He makes peace. Now, he doesn't say in Ephesians 4, to make peace. He says, make every effort to keep peace. The unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. It's made in Christ. So my mother-in-law who would talk a mile a minute, and I who talked one word every 50 years, there's a peace. It's already made. Now we're to maintain that. It doesn't say make it. Maintain it. The idea of peace involves resolving, not just quickly walking away. It's not mere, a mere toleration. I'll tolerate them. No, there's a peace that's been established. Now he says, maintain that. To fail, to at least make the effort, seems to be to deny Christ. Elsewhere in Scripture, it talks about unity in believers. When we come to understanding life, you can't be at peace with some people. And even believers at points in time, because they will not. 
He says, make every effort. In another passage, he says, as far as it depends on you. So we need wisdom and we need counsel at times as to how to respond to someone with whom we may be struggling to maintain the peace. And in some circumstances, you'll say, I've done all that I can. I can't do any more. But he does say, make every effort. Take a couple examples. A relational conflict that you may have within the family or have had in the family in the past. Paul would say, make every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit. Make every effort. The body of Christ has had church problems since Acts. No, believers don't always get along. One in Christ, peace has been made, but he says maintain it. And that's been an ongoing issue. But as much as it depends on us, we seek to maintain that peace. There may be a personality conflict. No, someone just has a personality that kind of clashes with you. Maintain that peace. Believer, maintain that peace. We're coming up on an election. There's probably some different political views that believers have. Maintain the peace. Some of you may say Ben Carson. Some of you may say Trump. Some may say no Cruz. Others may say Rubio. Someone may say Clinton. In Christ, believers are a unit. Maintain it. So in light of what Paul is saying, you can take a diehard conservative and a liberal who are believers in Christ and there to maintain their peace as they work together in the Senate of the United States of America. We say one's right and the other's wrong. Paul doesn't discuss. He says maintain peace. Believers in Christ. How about music? Something really like that. Ooh, 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 ooh. You know, really gets you get into it. Others of you just like that. Very slow. You ever consider maintaining unity in that context? Paul says, maintain unity. I'm not very good at. Acting up in life. Is our local church well known for maintaining the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace? 
Are the rulers and authorities amazed at our maintaining the unity of the Spirit? Do they sit back and say, man, they have issues at times, but they seek to work through them. Is the body of Christ in their area known for maintaining the unity of the Spirit? Do we need to repent? Before we continue on, let's just pray together. Father, we know that you've called us to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Ever since Acts, that has been a battle. Sometimes the church has done well, other times the church has not done well. In our own area, sometimes we've done well, sometimes we haven't done well. We confess that it's not always been good as far as maintaining the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. But where we are in the present, as a local body, those that are present this morning, we desire, Father, to be striving to be obedient, not caught up in where we am or how we may have responded in the past, but in the present and in the future, seeking to respond in a godly way. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Walking worthy of our calling, being humble, being gentle, being patient, bearing with one another, making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There are several core items that come through in Ephesians that are just very critical. And one is the whole issue of body life, the one another's, where we have meaningful relationships with others and seek to aggressively apply them. We seek to love one another. We seek to accept one another. We bear with one another. We forgive one another. We have those relationships. Our lives are more and more opening to others. Because we're learning to love, we're learning to accept, we're learning to bear with one another. Secondly, coming through also is the idea of shepherding. Accepting biblical care from church leaders. That involves accepting leadership, direction, care, rebuke, counsel, so on, that is provided by leaders. God makes it very clear as he speaks to the local church that shepherds are to lead. They're to care for people and minister deeply. A willingness for that to take place, a willingness to receive. And then also a third item, just the issue of corporate worship, coming together to worship together. As you look at Scripture... The issue of the one another's, shepherding, and corporate worship are core. That involves making them core, making them central to life, and planning life around them. Because we need it to be living well in Christ. Let's wrap it up with a couple applications. I would emphasize commitment to staying in relationships, 
is essential to obeying Ephesians 4, 2 through 6. This staying in relationships results in transformation in Christ-likeness. In a local church, individuals, marriages, families, leaders, to step away seems to display selfishness and individualism. And I realize in some relationships, people will not respond. You may do your level best, and there is a time and a place to step away. But overall, seeking to do all you can to remain in a relationship. Paul talks about a body and caring for one another. And again, I understand there's times where things cannot be worked out and Scripture would refer to some of them. But overall, as a pattern of life, stay in relationship. Be hospitable. Open your home. Open your life. Just to show you love someone, you care for them. Hang around a while after church just to talk to others that you might not normally talk to. Reach out to someone that you might not normally reach out to. And when the going gets tough, be willing to be humble, gentle, patient, bearing with one another, striving to maintain the unity of the Spirit. I'm thankful for a mom and dad that hung with me. And hung with my and my mother still hanging with not only me, but my four siblings in light of some deep waters that mom and dad went through as they were raising us kids. I'm thankful for a local shepherd, Norman Moyer, who I didn't appreciate and value very much as I was growing up, of hanging with me and some of the things that I did or did not do. But he hung with me and he prayed for me and he shepherded me even when I didn't want to be shepherded. I'm thankful for a college prof that hung with me when I was double-minded. But he loved me enough to hang with me and make some pretty strong statements to me. I'm thankful for a shepherd, Nolan Roach, for a number of years when we were in Chattanooga as an older man took a younger guy like me under his arm and said, I love you, I accept you. And he displayed humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with me and seeking to maintain the unity of the Spirit and responding to me. And all of those individuals resorted in some transformation. I'm deeply thankful for a body of believers that has loved me and accepted me over the years that I've shepherded here. I look back at times and I think, Dan, how could you be so dumb? Why did you do that? But you practiced the one another's and continued to care for me. And I've been asked quite often over the years, when asked, how long have you been at Roaring Brook or 
Maybe someone that doesn't even know me well. Oh, 20 years, 25 years, 30 years. How'd you last that long? He said, it's a two-way street. The body has been very gracious, very humble, very patient. They've been gentle. They bore with me and they have attempted to maintain the unity of the spirit that we have in Christ. I also have attempted to be patient and humble and gentle, bearing with them and maintaining the unity of the spirit. I think that's what Paul is talking about. And that results in, don't worry about the next couple items. Take me over to the results. Okay, here we are. It results in a depth of character. Whereas a consumer results in a depth of selfishness. And I'm not saying a business is bad when I say a consumer business. We have businesses as part of our culture, and that's fine. I'm not knocking businesses. I'm just saying if we have a business mindset as a church, we'll be selfish. A contributor concerned about relationships, transformation tends to take place. If there's not transformation, there tends to be stagnation if we have a consumer mindset. Contributors, there's living water. Consumers, you go one thing after another and you find it doesn't fulfill, so you go to the next thing. There's satisfaction because one is drinking from the living water Christ and continues to give. There's discontent when we have a primarily a consumer mindset because they're not giving as they should give to me. As we wrap it up, I want you to think about your life. Where would you be if there were not believers in your life that were humble and gentle and patient and bore with you and attempted to maintain the unity of the Spirit? And then secondly, think about some believer that may be struggling, that you need to be humble toward, gentle, patient, need to bear with them and maintain the unity of the Spirit. I would not and don't desire to go where I would be if it were not for my parents, my pastor. Nolan Roach that I mentioned, a prof that saw life as contributing, not consuming. I've been the recipient of much giving, the recipient of those who have contributed over and over again. And as we as a body contribute by walking worthy of our calling, 
Paul says. The body builds itself up in love in verse 16 of Ephesians 4 as each part does its work. So that kid who is struggling, that fellow believer who is struggling, humble, gentle, patient, bear with them, maintain the unity of the Spirit for the well-being of Christ and His body. Let's pray together. Father, all of us can look behind us, look at our past and say, I've not always been humble and gentle, patient, bearing with one another, maintaining the unity of the Spirit. And that's not where we are this morning, Father. We don't want to live in the past. We want to live in the present and in the future. We've come to faith in Christ and we know that our sin and so on in the past is gone as well as the present, as well as in the future. So may we not dwell in our past. May we not dwell in the past of others and say they blew it here or there. But may we in humility and gentleness and patience bear with one another and maintain the unity of the Spirit. May we be willing to be contributors to others where they are in the present and where they're headed. May we be willing to receive from others as they seek to contribute to our lives so that we can be a body that is building itself up in love. And Father, if there are those of us here who need to repent of something in light of our interaction with your word this morning. May there be that freedom to repent before you and make a shift in their thinking. Father, we are where we are. You have graciously worked in our lives. And we just want to be moving in the direction of walking worthy of our calling for your glory. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.